encourage all of you, just every morning, as soon as you wake up in the morning, just declare the power of Jesus' name over your day. Declare it over your life. That there's nothing that can come against you. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is so real. He wants to make himself real to us. He's the media. He, he, he's the one who comes and connects us with the reality of who Jesus is. But he does nothing that is outside the scope of Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being brave enough to come and allow us to pray for you. And thanks to everyone who came and prayed. But I'm, I, I just keep declaring his name. Keep declaring his name over your life. It is powerful. It is powerful. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Or that the word in the Greek is the word monai. Uh, you'll have in some of your translations the word mansions, right? In my Father's house are many rooms or many mansions. Uh, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Verse 6, And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's another one of those I am statements that Jesus makes. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Statements that declare him to be the Messiah, to be the one that they've been looking for for over 2,000 years. Uh, a statement that would have had Jesus stoned to death for blasphemy. And that's what the Pharisees wanted to do, except that it was true. <laughs> so they had no grounds to actually stone him. You know, we live in such a chaotic world, um, a world that's tormented by unrest. That's, that's tormented by hatred and, and chaos. And we all desire peace. We all want to find that place of rest. We, we, we want to be free from the cares of this world. Um, you know, billionaires think they can be. They go and buy their, their idyllic island getaways. You know, they're isolated away from everyone just to try and get away. And sometimes we think if we had all the money in the world, if we had perfect health, if we had everything we thought we would want and need, that we could find peace and rest. But you only have to look at some rich people's lives to discover, well, actually, it doesn't give them the rest that they're really looking for. Um, I grew up, I, I said the other day, I grew up on the outskirts of Adelaide and uh, every every weekend my brother and I and our two friends just down the road we would just go bush right from an early young age and mum would pack our lunch for us for the day and we'd take our little army canteens full of water and we'd be gone for the whole day as early as we could get until the sun went down every weekend we'd be gone 
catching frogs and lizards and stuff so we could sell them at the local pet shop to get some pocket money. Don't see kids doing that these days. They're too scared of little creatures. We used to catch snakes because they bought the best money. And so every weekend we'd be, we'd be gone. Um, and so I was used to that kind of thing. I was used to being out there uh, fending for ourselves, although, or, or so we thought, you know. Um, and I, as, as I'm sure many kids have done and probably people in this room, there are times when, as, you're a, as a kid, your will starts to clash with your parents' will. Huh? You have those moments where, there are, where there's friction and there's, there can be some really heated arguments, even when you're little, you know, you're pressing the boundaries. And I did what every other kid did at some t- stage in their life. I ran away from home. So I packed my bag and I took my little canteen of water and I thought, right, I'm used to the bush. I can survive out there. I'm not afraid of snakes. And so I thought, I'm gone. So I left. I said, I told him, I'm leaving home. I'm run, I'm, that's it. You'll never see me again. <laughs> and I was gone. Until the sun started to go down and it started to get cold and you start to get hungry. And, you know, in, in the end, you just you go back home. We all look for opportunities to escape. Because we want to have that perfect, idyllic, peaceful, restful life. Um, you know what it's like sometimes when you go on holidays? You, you want to get away. You want to get to a place where you can just relax and rest. And you go away for a few weeks. But as the holiday draws to a close, it's like you're, you're torn between two lots of feelings. Because on one side, you think, I don't want this to end. I just want to stay here. I want the holiday to continue forever. And yet there's another part of you that says, you know, I really just want to get home. I want, I want to get back to my own bed. You know, Robin and I used to travel a lot. Um, part of an international team, we traveled, uh, I don't know how many international trips, over 50 international trips, 26 or 27 different countries. Um, and we spent a lot of time away from home. And as, as it was an incredible period of our, of our life, Incredible blessings. I mean, we, we just felt so privileged to be able to see some of the places that we, that we saw and be able to minister into some of those countries, somewhere the gospel hardly ever goes, and that was an incredible privilege. Um, but you know, the airports and airplanes and hotels aren't all that they're cracked up to be, especially when you're doing it, you know, week in, week out. It starts to wear thin, and you just want to get back to your own bed. Because we are creatures of habit. We, 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 we like the familiar. And yet, in every one of us, there's also this, this streak in us where we like adventure. We want to discover something new. And yet, we like the familiar. You ever been torn with those kinds of feelings? And we, we all, we've all got them. We all have those. Um, You know, one of the reasons I think that, um, that, that sci-fi mu- movies have become so popular and, you know, documentaries on, on uh, astronomy and the planets and all of that kind of stuff, I think one of the reasons why those things are popular because we know that there's more out there and we're looking for a perfect world. 
There is something in every single person where we know that there is more to experience than just some of the mundane stuff that we go through every single day. In fact, I think we know intrinsically within us that we belong to another world. A place that actually where we find perfect peace and rest. C.S. Lewis um, said this, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. In other words, his argument is that you know, if money or careers or possessions or all the other pursuits that we grasp at in life don't bring us a sense of, of that feeling of, oh, I'm, I'm home, I'm at peace, I'm at rest, then maybe we've been designed for something else. Maybe we've been designed for another place. If everything in this natural world, cannot satisfy the real deep longing in our soul, then perhaps we've been created to experience another realm and to live from another realm. And so Jesus presents this thing to these disciples. They're fearful that he's going to leave them alone. He's going to leave them as orphans. And he says, don't worry, guys. Because I'm going to a place that I'm preparing something for you. So Thomas asks him the question. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we know how to get there? I think his real question was this. Jesus, can you take us home? Can you take us home? Can you take us to that place of perfect peace and rest? I think that was the real question behind the question. Can you take us to a place where our soul can find rest? In a world of chaos, can we find true rest? I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. No one can get to where the Father lives. No one can get into that realm of heaven except through me. No one can find that place of perfect rest and peace except through me. That's what Jesus was saying. You know, there's a natural world and there's a supernatural world. Um, we live in this natural world. Jesus is the saviour of the world. He is the bridge that spans two worlds. And that's how he came. He came as a bridge. He came as the connection point between man and God, between a natural world and a supernatural world. Why do people go to, to mediums and clairvoyance and seances and all the rest of it? Because they're trying to find a way to bridge the gap between the natural world and the supernatural world. They know that it's out there. They know that it's real. They actually just don't know how to really connect with it. You know, the devil has blinded people's eyes to the truth. He's deceived people into thinking there's an alternative other than Jesus. Jesus is not some way. He is not one of the ways. He is the only way to the Father. I'm sure most of you would have seen um, a, a picture like this. You know, a little, little 
thing there. We've all seen that. That we've been separated from God because of sin. That there is this chasm that has taken place that has caused this separation. That Jesus came into the world. God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus into this world so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, would not die, but have eternal life. That God reaches out his hand. Jesus comes to be that bridge between. I mean, that's a very old classic kind of diagram that we have there. That everyone who believes in Jesus, who believes in his name, we've been talking about his name this morning, who believes in his name, he would give the right to become children of God. And, as, and, and that is the entrance point. He, he, he gives you the right, hey, you can cross the bridge. I am the bridge, but now as you put your trust in me, as you believe in me, the gate's open. We looked at that last week. The gate, he is the door. And so we are able now to walk straight across into that other realm that you and I have been created for. Now, we live in a time where even in the church, um, the, 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 the subject of sin is taboo. Not allowed to talk about it. You know, and you find that it's just increasing all the time. You know, we, we, in society, we, we change laws to accommodate sin. We, we deny its existence. Um, we we de- deny the fact that sin is so damaging to us. It hasn't just separated us from God. It's damaging people's lives. Even in the church, the subject of sin is ignored or denied. Now, folk, grace is always going to be what we preach. Grace is always our foundation. People need to hear about the love of God. They don't need to be weighed down with some sense of guilt or shame and be told how bad they are because of sin. That's not what we're about. The love of God always trumps everything else. Amen? You'll be careful using that word now, don't you? It's become so political. Can't say Trump. (sighs) People need to know how much God loves them. And especially for believers. You don't need as a believer to be told how bad you are, how, how much you've sinned, how much you've messed up. Because, folk, when we understand as a believer, the blood of Jesus has covered all of my sin. Even if I still keep doing things and get messed up, It doesn't change my relationship with God. It doesn't change the fact that I'm his son, that I am saved and I have eternal life. That doesn't give us an excuse to go and do whatever we want. You know, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And so as much as we want to maintain always, always, our priority is to maintain the foundation of grace. There is a time where people who have not received Jesus need to understand that they are separated from God because of sin. Because of Adam's sin, but not just that. You know, they've, they've inherited, they were born with a sin nature and they couldn't help that. that that's, unfor- that's your lot in life when you get born as a human being because we're all descended from Adam. But here's the thing, that nature actually causes you to sin. And so as much as we can look back and we can point the finger at Adam and say, well, it's all your fault, Adam. 
you know, I'm innocent. No, actually, we're all guilty. We're all guilty because we all do sin. You're very quiet here this morning. Don't feel guilty. All right? That's the last thing I want you to to do. But, you know, if we don't address at times the reality of sin, then grace is not recognised for what it really is. Without addressing the reality of sin, grace gets cheapened. Grace, grace, um, the sacrifice of Jesus gets diminished and gets cheapened. The blood of Jesus gets devalued and we lose sight of how great a salvation we really have, of what it really cost Jesus to come. How can you explain the reality of good and bad? How do we explain um, sin and evil if we just deny that it even exists? Where did it come from? Why is it here? When we deny sin, folk, we deny reality. We deny the reality that we have been separated from God and that there is another realm that Jesus came for us to experience and live in. He is the way to the Father. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we read Scripture, we're reading truth. We're reading the truth of the creation story. We read the truth of all the prophetic proclamations and declarations about this coming Messiah. And then finally he comes. He says, I am the only way to the Father. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, most people think that that Jesus was saying, hey, you know, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to strap on my work belt and I'm going to, as a carpenter, that's why I learned to be a carpenter on earth so that when I get back to heaven, I can actually start building you a house. And that's what people think. You know, Jesus is going to build them some beautiful big mansion and depending on how well you've done on this earth is going to determine the size of your house. Is that what Jesus was talking about? No. And yet that's what most people believe. That's not what Jesus was saying at all. He's talking about, I'm going to a place and as I go to that place, a way is going to be made open for you to actually access the Father. What was the place he was talking about? The cross. He was going to the cross and through his sacrifice... He was going to close this gap so that everyone could have access into another realm. He is the way, the only way. When he's talking about in my father's house, there are many mansions. What's he talking about? A whole lot of houses that look like they've been made of gold. No, he's talking about, guys, there are in, there's, a, there's an endless... Um, There's an infinite experience. There are infinite experiences in that kingdom that you can encounter, that you can know, that you can encounter. 
That's what he's talking about. You know, there's an old, there was a saying, saying, old saying that used to be relevant or people thought it was relevant in the Roman Empire times. It said that all roads lead to Rome. You may have heard that. People have the same idea. We, 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 approach, we, we apply that now to, to religion. All roads lead to God. No, they don't. That's a lie. That's a deception. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen? There are many religions uh, whose philosophy may lead people to a better, more moral life, but they do, do not lead people into an experience of knowing God. None of them do. Jesus, the only way to the Father. And he tells us in, the very, in his very next statement why. He says, because I am the truth. I am the truth. What I declare to you is truth. There's only one way you can get to the Father and know him. You have to be qualified. In actual fact, you have to be as holy as God is to be able to have access to God. That's a frightening statement. But that is the wonder of what Jesus accomplished for you and I. And if we deny sin, we devalue what actually happened the transaction that took place when we received Jesus. Because something amazing happened. When we received him, we received his righteousness. Jesus is the truth. And he is the true measure of righteousness and holiness. Here's a, little, here's a little test to see whether we really have grasped the reality of God's grace and his gift of righteousness. Because this is what we as human beings tend to do. We'll go before God and we know that we, we simply can't come before him. We can't have access to him unless we are right. Right? I think we all know that. But how do, we, how, do, how do we do that? How do many people do that? We come and we bring the lack of someone else's righteousness. In other words, God, look, I've done my best and my effort and my level of righteousness is better than that person. Look at how bad they are. Look at how sinful they are. And so we want to compare ourselves to someone that we know is, well, that person's really bad, so I must be better in your sight than that person. And many people do that. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every human being is contaminated and plagued by sin. We didn't just inherit the sin nature, we actually sin in our own right. And that's what makes God's grace towards us so incredible, so incredibly wonderful. We are now deemed as righteous as Jesus 
because we received his gift of righteousness. His gift. You didn't earn it. You receive it as a gift. That's the power of the gospel. That's what people need to hear. Amen? I am the way. I'm the only one who can get you home. I am the truth. My message on how to get there is the only message. It's me. I am that bridge. I am that door. I am that gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So that if you receive me, you also receive my righteousness, and now you have free access into that realm, into home, into that place of perfect peace and rest. I am the life. Jesus, the bridge between that gap. I'm the life. Jesus was speaking in both physical and spiritual terms. He's not just saying, um, I've come so that sometime in the future you might access that kingdom. You know, after you die, all will be well. No, he's saying, guys, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I want you to experience that now. I didn't come so that you could have life sometime in the future. I came so that you could have life now. You know, folk, that's the thing. Every one of us, we should be experiencing the reality of eternal life now. Because that's how Jesus lived. He didn't, he didn't live with a hope, oh, one day, one day, one day. No, he lived in the reality of the power of that kingdom every single day. That's why he was able to go around and just touch people who were blind and they got healed. It's why he says to you and I, if we believe, if we believe that we can live in that realm, from that kingdom, you and I can do exactly what Jesus did. Folks, that makes Christianity exciting. I love those opportunities. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Jesus wasn't talking about, I'm going to come back and I'm going to whisk you all off to heaven. Because if that's what he meant when he said this, he failed. And if Jesus failed, that means he lied. And Jesus can't lie. Amen? <laughs> He didn't, he didn't come back and say, you know, guys, um, um, when I come back, then we're all going to go. Because when he rose from the grave and he did come back and they saw him come back, he hung around with them for 40 days. Walked with them, talked with them, ate with them. And then he did leave. He ascended into heaven and he didn't take them. Ever thought about this? So clearly in John 14, Jesus wasn't talking about, I'm going to whisk you all off to heaven now. He was talking about, I'm, I'm creating a way for you to be able to experience home, my home, now. If you're not sure, just go back to John 14. Let's read a couple more verses and I'll show you something here. John 14 and verse 15. 
says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. What was the command that Jesus was asking for them to obey? To believe. Love one another, love God, believe. Believe in me. Right? You follow, you can see that all through scripture. Every time when Jesus talks about obey my commands, when he's talking to believers, when he's talking to his disciples, he's talking about put your trust in me. Believe in me. I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Wow, what a powerful, powerful verse that is. No other religion in the world, none, lays claim that God can live in you. Only Jesus makes that statement, and Jesus can't lie. So when you feel alone as a believer, you need to put that doubt and that lie out, and you need to come back to the reality and the truth of Scripture. Jesus, who is truth, the way the truth the life, and just say, hey, Jesus, you are in me. You are in me. I might not feel that way right now, but I believe truth. Look at verse 23, because this is key. This is a fantastic verse. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That word home, you only find this word twice in scripture. It's the word mine. Where Jesus says, I'm going to create a mansion for you. I'm preparing a place, a mansion, a home for you. And where is that home? Jesus now just tells us it's in you. Him going to the cross created a way for God to come and make his home in you and I. Wow, what a powerful, powerful thing. Jesus, the way to the Father, the way home. He is the truth. And the only way to receive this truth, receive his righteousness and live in that righteousness, to have that life is to believe in him. In John 17, we haven't got time really to go there and read it, but in John 17, you could... Make a note of that. Uh, it's where Jesus is praying. He's before the Father and he's praying. And, uh, and so he prays, he, he prays a number of things. He prays for protection for his disciples. He prays for salvation for people in the world. But he makes a couple of interesting statements because he says this. He says, he says, God, you have given me these men out of the world. He makes that statement, he makes it very clear. He says, they are not of this world. I have taken them out of this world, even though they are in this world. Folks, we live in this natural world, but you and I are not of this world. And Jesus makes, he makes that statement. He says, they are no longer of this world, just as I am not of this world. 
What is he saying? We actually belong to another realm. We belong to another world. And in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, Paul says the same kind of thing. You and I, folk, are foreigners and aliens in this world. We no longer belong to this world. We belong to another realm. Why is it that we have these longings in our heart for that realm? Because that's how you were created. You were made for something more. Star Trek. To go where no man has ever gone before. What's the Toy Story 1, Dione? To infinity and beyond. Why not? Fuck, you and I were created for something much more than this. Much more than this. We are in this world, but not of this world, because Jesus made the way for us to go into another realm. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to God, and that's the truth that so many people fight. They fight it with, no, all roads lead to God, all roads lead to heaven. Folk, they do not. There's... Um, Every other world religion, no matter which one it is, doesn't matter, Judaism, um, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of them have the same kind of thing. They are all structured around what is called moralistic deism. Big term. I'd love for any one of you understand what that is. But simply put, it's this. It's, it's man putting a structure, putting a system in place where we try and better ourselves, make ourselves more holy, make ourselves more righteous so that God will find us acceptable. It's called moral deism. It's man trying to make his way to God. It's man trying to bridge the gap. So we bridge it through our good works and we think that's going to get us to the other side. We bridge it with forms of religion. We think money can buy our way. We think if we can just become more moral people, that will bridge the gap. Every one of them fails. It's impossible. What does it do? It forces people to go back to a form of self-righteousness, to rely on themselves. And, and, and on themselves. And all that ends up doing is it causes people to live a duplicitous life. In other words, we put on masks. We, we try and put on a show for everyone else and we put on a show for God to make it look as though we're better than what we are, but inside we are rotting away because we know who we really are. And that's the power of God's grace. It doesn't come and automatically change you into a totally, perfectly moral person. It comes and superimposes the righteousness of Jesus over your life so that when God looks at you, he sees you as perfect. And he knows all your faults. He knows you're still going to fail. And yet he says, you know, the blood of Jesus is more powerful than your failure. You know that... Um, when they, uh, when they tracked down the um, 9-11 bombers, you know, the guys who flew those planes into the World Trade Centre, and they tracked down their movements and they found where they stayed 
the few nights before. They were able to, to do this, FBI or CIA or whoever. And they found the hotels they were staying in and they, they, they looked at what they were doing. And that night before, every one of them, they spent a lot of money on alcohol. These are people who proclaim their devout worship of their God, who are willing to die for their God. Who, who, who believe that they have to live this righteous moral life where they pray five times a day and wash and go through all of this ritual. But the night before, they spent a whole lot of money on alcohol, on prostitutes, and on a whole lot of pornography. They found the same when they actually raided Obama, Osama bin Laden's little lair when they found him. They found the most violent, terrible... Uh, pornography on, on, on their computers. What is that? That, that? that is, we put on this mask, we put on this show for everyone else and we think it's even going to impress God. But the reality of how we live is totally different. Folk, Jesus is truth. And that means he wants you and I to be truthful. He wants you and I to be truthful with ourselves. And when we are, what does that do? That just leads us to a place of greater worship because of his incredible sacrifice and grace that comes to us that says, you know, even despite the mess that you're actually in, man, I love you and I care for you and I've done everything I can to actually bridge that gap. And it's not got anything to do with you trying to be a better person. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for you and I. Here's another little test to see if we truly believe that Jesus is the only way, that we really get grace. Do you love anything else more than God? Here's a Ten Commandments pop quiz. Do you love anything else more than God? Do you love your wife? Do you love your kids? Your home, your boat, your car, your job, fishing? Josh? The reality is there are times in our life where every one of us do. Every one of us has those moments where, where our kids occupy all of our time and we just love them and we would do anything for them. You know? What is that? Well, love the Lord your God. Have no other gods before. We've, every one of us have just broken that commandment. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. You know, we've reduced that down to, okay, make sure you don't use Jesus' name as a swear word. But that's the lowest common denominator, you know. That's talking about honouring the name of Jesus. Do you know, every time you get, you get sick, you get a little sniffle, and the first thing you do, your first thought is to run to the doctor? What have we just done with the name of Jesus? Well, that one come a bit close to home. Can you see what I'm saying? We're not honouring the name of God the way that we should because our first port of call would be to call on his name, not call on the doctor. I don't think anyone in this place deliberately goes out and has a systematic or systemic lifestyle of lying. I don't think any one of us do, but every one of us in this place has lied. <laughs> There's another one down, dong. You know, I don't, I don't think anyone here has murdered anyone. Uh, you might have thought about it, but, you know, we harbour anger and hatred towards people sometimes. You may not have committed adultery, but I'll guarantee pretty much everyone has thought about it. Maybe not the kids, but... 
You know, you get really angry when you see someone who you don't particularly like and you just see everything going right in their life. You know, and you get, oh, why, do they, why is it all going well for them? And I love you, God, and everything seems to go wrong. Huh? And then, and then we see something go wrong in their life and we go, yay. <laughs> you know, we get all happy. What is that? It's jealousy. You know, we could go through every one of those commandments and every one of us would fail. You know, God's not into the, the modernistic approach of, well, you can just keep sitting that exam as, exam as long as, you know, as often as you need to until eventually you get better at it, you know. And, uh, you know, at least you, at least you tried. And here's the cheat notes so that you can get a little bit further along. God's not like that. Folk, every one of us will fail on that test. And we'll fail every day. The Ten Commandments were not given to you to make you a better person. They weren't given as laws to try and get you to be holy. They were given to show us the fact that we could never do it on our, by ourselves. We could never manage it on our own. The reason Jesus can say he is the only way the reason he can say this moralistic deism structure, this system of the world can never get you to God is because he knows that the human heart can never rest in its own righteousness. We need the righteousness of another. It's inadequate. Our own is inadequate. He knows that the only way home, the only way that we can find rest for our soul is by receiving and accepting the righteousness that can only come from one source. And that's from Jesus himself. Now we live in an age of identity politics. Um, I'm not talking about governmental, you know, governments and stuff. I'm, I mean this, this rampant push for individualism. It's all about me. It's all about my rights, you know. And so right and wrong is now determined by whatever you deem that to be. Um, you can choose your own gender. It's not determined by what happens at birth. doesn't matter whether you're born a male or a female. You can choose. Make your own choice. And so we change laws. We change the rules for marriage. You know, people, uh, we've got people marrying buildings. Someone married the Eiffel Tower. I'm serious. They, they marry cars. Some lady married a Ferrari. Some other people have married their pets. Um, reality is whatever you determine it to be. You know, right now in the world, uh, primarily in America, but in a couple of other parts in the world as well, there's a whole group of people who are calling themselves transhumans. Transhumans. They are removing body parts and replacing them with man-made artificial parts. So people who have got perfect hearing are having their eardrums removed so that they can have bionic ears inserted because they don't feel as though they are fully whole 
unless they have some kind of robotic implant. People are even going to the... This is true. I'm not making this up. People are amputating limbs and having artificial limbs attached to them because they want to have that feeling of being a cyborg because they just don't feel complete unless they have that. And the sad thing for me is, one, you've got doctors doing it, but the second thing is that you can't say anything against it because if you do, you're regarded as a bigot. And this is happening all through society at all different kinds of levels. And the moment that you challenge it, you, you are persecuted for it. Why is that? Because people don't want to accept truth anymore. Truth has gone out the window. Truth is just whatever you determine it to be. Folk, th- th- this is not truth. This is not a justifiable way of life. This is a mental illness. But you can't call it out. What is all, this is all the result of sin. This is all the result of trying to find peace and rest within people's inner being. They're trying to find their way home, but they don't want to do it with God. They don't want to do it with Jesus. They want to find some other way, and it ends up in madness. The thought that you can find what you really need outside of Jesus is death. The idea that you can find what you need in Jesus gets rejected because it means that we have to submit to truth, absolute truth that is outside of our own ideas on truth. There is absolute truth. People deny it. When you deliberately take God out of the picture, you have no way to reference reality. No way to explain that there's evil in the world. No no way to explain why there is suffering. And it's not God's fault. He didn't make it happen. He is not punishing people. Man's turned his back on God and he's created chaos for himself. The mess is a result of people trying to find peace, trying to find their way home, trying to find their way into that realm of reality that they know exists, but they don't want to submit their lives to a saviour. And that's why you have all of these bizarre things going on. It's out of a desperate cry to find identity. And so we have this this identity crisis in the world today. And if people could just come back and heed Jesus' words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come home. No one can find the reality of heaven in their life. Not just some future time, but the reality of the kingdom in their life now, where they have true life in this world. You can't find that outside of Jesus. Now, the trap of this world is that we think, if I can just get more of, of stuff, 
If I can get more money, if I get more possessions, then I'll find it. It's a vain, futile idea. Let me close with this. The, um, I think it's Luke 15. We have the story of the prodigal son. And he asks his father for his inheritance. He takes it. He runs away from home. And he wastes it. He spends it on getting drunk. He spends it on prostitutes. He ends up wasting all of his inheritance and he, and he ends up living in a pigsty with the pigs. That's not a great life. Huh? In the pig poo. Smelling, fighting with pigs for food. There's a whole other life that was available to him. And he wasted it all thinking this is going to give him satisfaction. This is going to give me rest. This is going to give me fulfillment. And he almost destroyed his life in doing it. And finally one day, we know the story, finally one day he realises, you know, even if I could just work as a servant back in my father's house, I'd be far better off than I am. And so he, 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 he writes this speech and he rehearses it over and over in his mind. Yeah, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to beg him. Let me come back and just be a servant and serve in your house. And he goes back and you can imagine he's walking down the road and he's reciting. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. Then his father sees him coming and he runs to him. and puts a ring on his finger, puts a robe on him, calls, hey, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a feast because my son has come home. And he just grabs him and he embraces him with the, while his son is covered in pig poo. The stink of it, the stench of it, and he just embraces him and he kisses him. Actually, actually, when you read it, the literal meaning of it, he just doesn't stop kissing. He just keeps kissing and kissing and kissing him. He embraces him. And he, t- he tells his, uh, his household, let's have a party, and they have a big feast and there's music. And the music's so loud that the people out in the fields can hear it and they come and they want to know what's going on. And that's the way the Father receives every single person when they come back to him. Religion doesn't get you there. Only Jesus does. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And for people who don't yet know him, they need to hear that. They need to hear that they are separated from God because of sin. They need to know that there is a way home. That perfect peace is found in Jesus. But you know, for every one of us who are believers, we've received him and we live in a measure of that inheritance. We live in the measure of the pleasure of God, uh, God smiling upon us. But for every one of us, there's still little areas in our life where we're like that, that son who ran away and we're living in a pig pen. We don't want to think that. We don't want to admit that. Because we all have little areas in our life that we just want to keep holding our individualism. We want to hold on to that. We want to hold on and still have some control. But when you see that in the light of truth, it's just like living in a pig pen covered in excrement. 
We need to shake all that off, come to our senses, and come to that place where it actually requires submission to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are the only way. You are the truth and you are the life. And I submit every part of my life to you. I want you to just think about this. When you're struggling with things like sickness or with fear or with anything like that that's actually troubling you, we need to actually approach that in exactly the same way and say, Lord, that's, that, that's an area that isn't submitted to you right now because if it was submitted to you, it would bow the knee and it would actually get dealt with. I had to do that for many years of my life when trying to overcome fears. Because I was plagued with fears of, of just a whole lot of different types of fears. And it didn't break off of my life. I had people pray for me all the time, but it didn't get broken off of my life until I actually said, God, I've got to submit that to you because that's covering me in poo. Sorry for using that word. But that's what it is. It covers you in excrement that you've got to get off. And there's only one way you can get that cleaned off. It's through Jesus. Amen. So, Jesus, we thank you for your credible grace towards us. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you've made a way for us to come home. You've made a way for us to step into that incredible kingdom that is full of amazing supernatural experiences. We thank you for the promise that you've come to live within us. Father, we pray. We just pray that you would help us to actually share that message with others in a, in a way that is uh, communicated with skill and with understanding that people may respond. You've, you've, you've left us on this planet for a reason and that is to be able to bring as many people as possible across that bridge into the wonderful kingdom of our God. We thank you for your word. We, Lord, I pray that it would, just, it, would, it would just take a hold of our hearts today. It would just go deep within us. That we would never stray from the reality that you alone are the way. You alone are the truth. You alone are the one who brings us life. And we thank you this morning for that life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.